Welcome to the 19th episode of ML Backstage. My name is Mars Luna. And I'm Ethan. And we're introducing this podcast straight from the sixth dimension. This is a music commentary podcast hosted by just Joshua Luna again? I thought there was supposed to be a special guest today. Chaos. Pure unadulterated chaos. <sighs> Such is life, Ethan. <laughs> I guess we'll find out what Joshua's gonna talk about today. Earthlings, grab your popcorn and let's get started. Back to planet Earth we go. What's going on, y'all? This is Joshua Luna here with another episode of the ML Backstage Podcast. I am doing pretty well. Um, I am back in Vegas and everything feels normal. Um, I wrote a couple of poems this week and I've explored and dabbled in the art of poetry. And uh, I also got a new phone here, got the iPhone 14 Pro. And uh, other than that, like, I'm excited to get this episode going. So full disclosure, um, <laughs> today's episode was not supposed to be a solo episode. Uh, I was supposed to have a special guest on, uh, we both agreed to, to do the special guest episode today, um, but due to circumstances out of our control, um, I had to, you know, pivot and go in a different direction with this episode. And I wanted to get another episode, a monthly episode for you guys. So uh, hope you guys enjoy this one. Um, I pretty much had to plan this within a two hour period, and uh, I'm excited to share it with y'all. Uh, Holo and Kainalu were not able to make it uh, to this episode. I mentioned in the last episode that that the three of us are going through different transitional periods in our lives right now, and uh, there will be more solo episodes for this particular season, so uh, you'll see more of me, uh, but hopefully um, Holo and Kainalu will be back for next month's episode. Um, so instead of the special guest episode today, um, I got a few props next to me that will um, illustrate what today's episode is going to be about. So I have this um, for the Spotify listeners and for the YouTube listeners. I have this vintage washed David Bowie shirt that I got from Urban Outfitters. I've worn it in a previous episode before, I believe. Um, I got the Vans David Bowie Ziggy Stardust shoe replica here. It's my favorite shoe that I got in my collection right now. And the David Bowie checkerboard skate highs from Vans. Um, Mars Luna has worn both of those shoes for uh signature performances that he's had and uh so with all the david bowie props aside today we're going to be reviewing the david bowie documentary moon age daydream and david bowie's connection to mars luna or i should say mars luna's connection to david bowie because david bowie is a legend and mars luna is not yet <laughs> but um so a couple weeks ago or a week ago i don't remember 
But sometime this month, I watched the David Bowie documentary, Moon Age Daydream, that came out on September 16th, 2022. And uh, it's only shown in select theaters. So I had to drive a certain distance to actually watch the documentary, but it was well worth the drive because this documentary was everything I could have asked for as a David Bowie fan. And it was magical. It was philosophical. It was a, a kaleidoscopic and magical experience. And it's probably my favorite movie or documentary that I will watch all year. And uh, based off of the tone that I'm giving off right now, David Bowie is my goat. And David Bowie is the creative reference for Mars Luna. And we'll dive deep into that uh, later on in this episode. But I'm going to go into uh, some reviews about the reviews of, sorry, reviews of the Moon Age Daydream documentary. So Rotten Tomatoes gave the Moon Age, Moon Age Daydream documentary a 92% on the tomato meter. And uh, time.com, Time Magazine, basically described this movie or this documentary. Um, he can't, he, meaning David Bowie, can't be defined, but he can be experienced. And I feel like that encapsulates David Bowie's career. And this documentary wasn't necessarily um, in the typical standard um, behind the music type of documentary. It was very much about David Bowie's like philosophies on, you know, on life, on time, on aging and mortality. And uh, it was directed by, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, it was, it's, his name is Morgan. Um, I had it, Brett Morgan. He, it was directed by Brett Morgan. And uh, it was very much like, uh, it's not, it wasn't a biographical film, put it that way. It featured a lot of, behind the scenes looks, um, never before seen footage and David Bowie narrated the whole thing. Um, I believe it was clips from, he used, well, Brett Morgan used clips from previous uh, interviews that uh, Dave Bo David Bowie has had um, throughout his career. And it kind of, those interviews kind of helped shape his uh, worldview and, uh, ideologies and stuff like that and it was a lot more insightful than I envisioned because it wasn't really about music at all and that made it captivating for me so uh yeah time says you know moon age daydream isn't a biographical film but a philosophical one that shares Bowie's thoughts on time aging and mortality through never before seen footage of the chameleonic chameleonic singer on stage and off um and brett morgan has made films about uh kurt cobain and uh 
David Bowie's archives included more than 5 million assets ranging from concert outtakes to personal diaries. And going through every piece took him seven years. Wow, I never knew that. But in the end, he says that it, he isn't any closer to pinpointing who David Bowie was. And I think, I think that, that, was, that was the point because as it was mentioned earlier, I don't think David Bowie is not meant to be understood, but he is meant to be experienced. And I feel like that has the best kind of, you know, mystery, uh, the best kind of captivation that I feel like is lacking in the music industry these days, but I'm gonna go down that rabbit hole later on. Uh, and Variety, Variety's, um, trying to remember, sorry, I'm, I'm going through this on the fly right now. Uh, uh, Jem Oswad of Variety uh, gave a review that basically says that um, it's an impressionistic film that cannot be overemphasized and that different way is to let the man himself do all the talking. Um, it was a free form approach to structuring a documentary and it was enormously challenging for Morgan who worked on the film for seven years and suffered a heart attack while doing it. She's as wild. In many ways it's freeing. Instead of a rigid timeline or forced overarching theme dictating the narrative, Bowie's words do. There is very little preamble you're plunged straight into early 1970s and Ziggy Stardust. And although the film sprawls all over Bowie's peak years, primarily his first decade of superstardom, which of course was his musical peak as well, songs and moments from other eras swoon in like characters from a dream. The film doesn't try to be a completist. Bowie's life story has been told ad nauseum, so huge chunks of it are left out. His first and last 20 years are dealt with briefly, although revealingly there are few, if any, glimpses of his first wife, Angela, who exerted an enormous and under-acknowledged influence on the Ziggy era for his children. Although his older brother, Terry, probably the greatest influence on the young Bowie, gets a larger than usual viewing. But there are also none of the cliched, overworn antidotes from former collaborators, paramours, managers and hangers on because Bowie himself died more than six years ago. He's already had his last word. Uh, so yeah, it's a very much, I guess my take on this, uh, on this documentary was that it was, it's meant for this, it's made for the super fan. So you got to have kind of context on on David Bowie's life and his career. Um, it was very introspective. It was very reflective. It felt like a diary of sorts. And it made me love and appreciate this documentary so much more than I originally uh, thought it would. And like I said earlier, uh, two times, or a couple of times, I don't know. Um, he, David Bowie is not meant to be understood. 
but is meant to be experienced. And I feel like that summarizes Mars Luna's motto. And that also summarizes uh, uh, a life motto for me too. Um, and based off of the social media climate that we're in, um, it ties into all of this too. And I'll dig into that later. Um, but David Bowie, he's known for his innovation. Uh, he's known for continuously reinventing himself. And he is known for um, creating characters that um, summarized or that embodied uh, each musical season that he was a part of, or they embodied certain projects that he had, right? So let's go through uh, David Bowie's characters real quick, at least his top five. So NBCnews.com um, gave their top five characters, or at least their most icon, their, well, yeah, I'm getting tongue-tied their top five uh, David Bowie characters. So number one was Ziggy Stardust. So Ziggy Stardust is Bowie's most famous incarnation and it came with the release of his fifth album, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars in 1972. Uh, during this period, he performed as Ziggy Stardust, a flame-haired androgynous alien rock star intent on bringing a message of hope to young people on earth. When Bowie and his band played the album's hit single, Starman, on the British music, music show, Top of the Pops in 1972, Bowie draped his arm around guitarist Mick Ronson. Bowie had recently told British mag music magazine Melody Maker that he was gay, and in a later interview said that he was bisexual. I, be I believe personally that he was portraying the, he was portraying the gay character, um, and he was actually bisexual uh, as detailed by his marriages and stuff like that uh, the gesture towards his male guitarist was seen by many at the time as overly effeminate but later heralded as an important moment in a country grappling with changing attitudes on sexuality so <laughs> so during i would say if you ziggy stardust was you know <laughs> if Ziggy Stardust was, you know, invented now, it would be championed by society. Uh, it wouldn't be as much of a controversial figure because of the times. But anyway, let's continue. Uh, number two, Thin White Duke. Just four years after the dazzling Ziggy Stardust, Bowie had ditched the extravagant hair, makeup, and jumpsuit in favor of a more Far more restrained, white shirt, black waistcoat, and blonde slicked back hair. This character was the Thin White Duke, a moniker still used as a nickname for Bowie to this day. It was around this time that he scored his first U.S. number one hit with Fame, which was co-written by John Lennon. The period was also a time of drug addiction, drug addiction and deep emotional stress for Bowie. By 1975, he was living a cocooned existence Disconnected from the real world in Los Angeles, David Buckley wrote in his 1999 book, Strange Fascination, David Bowie, The Definitive Story. 
He was living on a diet of red and green peppers and washed down with milk and engaged in erratic behavior such as storing his urine in the fridge so that no other wizard could use it to enchant him, according to the book. Major Tom, number three. Bowie first announced his penchant for character creation with the 1969 song, Space Oddity. The story of a fictional astronaut called Major Tom who gets stranded in space. It was released the same year as the first moon landings and captured the cosmos obsessed zeitgeist. This theme of looking to the stars was to be a theme that ran through Bowie's career. There's another Mars and the illusion there. Major Tom was given a 21st century reboot when Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield performed the song abroad the International Space Station. The accompanying video recorded on the ISS has been watched more than 27 million times on YouTube. Number four, Aladdin Singh. Inspiring costume party goers for decades, Aladdin Sane was defined by the red and blue bolt of lightning painted across his face. The character's eponymous album in 1973 was the follow-up to Ziggy Stardust, and while it was met with less critical acclaim, the character, whose name is a pun, of, a pun on Aladdin Sane, has endured. The album reached number 17 in the U.S. album charts and had and solidified his celebrity in America. The Goblin King is number five. As well as recording a staggering 25 studio albums, Bowie made several notable forays into the world of cinema. He played the 19th century physicist Nikola Tesla in the 2006 movie, The Prestige, which was directed by Christopher Nolan and starred Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, and Scarlett Johansson. However, he is best known for his portrayal of Jared the Goblin King in the 1986 fantasy epic Labyrinth. The movie's cult status was cemented with David Bowie's performance of the song Magic Dance. So I would say, for me personally, I would say uh, that Major Tom uh, was the character that's most relatable to me. Uh, but Ziggy Stardust is definitely, uh, definitely an, an Aladdin Sane, I would say, is, uh, was and still is an aspiration for Mars Luna uh, that I will dig deeper into. Um, so if Mars Luna is meant to be the extravagant the over the top the uber theatrical um extension of myself then major tom is basically the genesis and the starting point for uh my own musical journey if that makes any sense um let's go into the Mars Luna and David Bowie parallels. So in order to backtrack to the genesis of this podcast and the genesis of the whole Mars Luna experience, ML Backstage is essentially a backstage look at Mars Luna's um, creative projects, songs, 
um, and basically a uh, in-depth look of Mars Luna's uh, creative odyssey called the Cosmic Chronicles. And uh, each episode or album of the Cosmic Chronicles is meant to detail uh, detail significant seasons of uh, and the entire spectrum of the human experience. Um, and each project encapsulates seasons of my life. And it serves as a reflection of my thoughts and my feelings and everything that I'm processing. So, so it's not meant... If, it's not meant to be gimmicky. It comes from a very real place. And, uh, and in the same vein, I would also say that David Bowie's um, characters and an approach to music came from a real genuine place as well. He just approached it in a way that no one else in the music realm really tried doing because one of the things that stood out to me in the documentary uh moon age daydream was that um in an out of character interview uh several years after his prime his uh musical prime ended he told the interviewer that uh putting on different characters was a sense of escapism for him and like he didn't feel comfortable and he didn't want to do music as himself. And that provides a stark contrast to what we see today on social media where um, authenticity, and for those listening on Spotify and uh, Apple, I used air quotes for authenticity. Um, and but music can be used as an escape for people, right? And that's what music is for David Bowie. And that's what it was for me and is for me. Music is an escape mechanism. Um, and Mars Luna is escapism. And I've heard people, you know, say that Mars Luna is a gimmick or whatever. And I think if, you know, David Bowie was still doing music today, I think some people would say that his stuff is gimmicky. But I call it, you know, artistic innovation. It's a different approach. And it's from what you see today. And I feel like Mars Luna, you know, he, he tries to fill in that void, right, of the diet David Bowie or a bootleg version of David, David Bowie. And, you know, um, but ultimately, you know, it's a uh, music is meant to be for me anyway, and for Mars Luna too, music is meant to be a platform for something else. And what that something else is, is to be determined. And I got ideas of what that might look like, uh, but until that's actually materialized, it's just uh, it's just ideas. But uh, 
Mars Luna was inspired by David Bowie. No, <laughs> there's no other way to explain it. And, uh, you know, like the reason why I colored my hair for the Mars Luna persona was because of, was inspired by David Bowie. Um, and that became a thing with every completed episode um, of the Cosmic Chronicles, I colored my hair. And that, and it's commitment to character, right? It's an embodiment of the persona or, you know what I'm saying? Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like, you know, Mars Luna standard might be a little too high. And I don't think there'll ever be a David Bowie and there will never be, you know, as long as social media is around, I don't think there will be, you know, another musician that's really going to try to, you know, be a David, to aspire to be another version of David Bowie. Because it's all about uh, being the authentic versions of themselves. And I think for me, you know, I'm at that point where I, I don't know if I'll, I'm at that point where I can do music as myself because I'm still trying to figure myself out. And Mars Luna provides a way to express that um, musical, that musical direction while still, you know, putting parts of myself out there, it's still, it's still like fantasy land, you know, and I approach music in a way that's like fantasy land and David Bowie, um, David Bowie's characters, while they were uh, created, created during, you know, certain socioeconomical and political um, climates at the time, um, his artistic expression is very rare these days. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm going on a little tangent here, but um, I don't think social media will allow um, people to kind of to kind of portray characters in the music. And it's more so like, you know, David Bowie wanted to become this multimedia guy where he wanted to mix the music with the theater, with the, you know, the fashion and, um, and the movies. He wanted to do, he wanted to do all of it and he did do all of it, you know? And I believe to a certain degree, that's kind of what Mars Luna is aiming for and aspiring for as well. You know, I think people want to identify you at a certain way. They want to look at you a certain way. And in some cases, they're the ones who paint the narrative about, you know, say athlete or musician or actor, actress, you know what I'm saying? Like they want to, they want to find ways to identify you. And like I said, uh, David Bowie was not meant to be understood. 
He was meant to be experienced. And Mars Luna's um, MO is the same, right? He's not meant to be understood. He's meant to be experienced. Joshua Luna is not meant to be understood. He's meant to be experienced. And that's the best way to best way to really see something for what it is. And I've I brought up social media um, because in 1999, David Bowie gave an interview to BBC about uh, the impact of the internet. And he, he said that regarding the internet in 1999, he said that we're on the cusp of something exhilarating and terrifying. And, and he said that it's an alien life form that just landed. And, <laughs> you know, he, it's funny because in this interview, I'm pretty sure it went viral before, but he said that, you know, uh, Bowie makes a point that's taken on more credence in uh, the modern era, that the revolutionary status of rock in the 60s and 70s was tied into its rarity and that the inability to readily hear music gave it power and currency. And rock is now a career opportunity. And the internet now has the allure that rock once did. But what David Bowie didn't take into account was that uh, the allure would wear off very quickly. And the inter internet has no mystery to it, right? And everybody thinks they know everything about everything based off of what they, whatever they choose to read or whatever they choose to see on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I've, I've used this analogy before, but I'm gonna use it again. So the internet, you know, our lives, right? Are like a window or like we live in a house, right? I'm sorry, I'm gonna backtrack. We're in a house, right? And everything about us is in our home. And, you know, people, you know, from the outside take a peek into the window and they see glimpses of, of something and they think they know everything um, based off of the glimpses that they see or, and it gives them an impression, right? But, but we take those impressions and those glimpses as facts. And because of that, there's just so much access, you know, and social media allows everyone, you know, or everyone who uses social media to have access. And the thing is, we don't know much about people unless we actually get to know them personally in real life. And, and I think that the, inter the internet is a double-edged sword in the sense of like, you know, it's cool that we have access to, you know, our favorite athletes and our favorite musicians, our favorite actors and actresses and authors and 
you know, all these public figures. We have glimpses of their thoughts. We have glimpses of their, you know, their emotions and what they're feeling or like glimpses of, you know, their personal life, their spouses, their children and all that stuff. And, you know, because of those glimpses, we're able to have opinions on them. Those opinions may not be right, but they're, you know, there are opinions, there are impressions, but the problem is we view, we take our opinions and distort them as facts. And, uh, you know, and back to the David Bowie thing, like, I don't think he realized, you know, this was back in 1999, of course, uh, how quickly the allure and the fascination of the internet would wear off. And, uh, and he said that um, he, Bowie also views the fragmentation of the internet as a plus and says that the potential of what the internet is going to do society, both good and bad, is unimaginable. And I wish I could play the video on this particular episode, but uh, the video will be taken down by YouTube. So, um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll probably link the link the bowie interview the internet interview in the show notes and uh, you can probably watch it for yourself it's it's gone viral before and uh you know it speaks to how much insight that david bowie had on certain things and how insightful of a mind that he had on you know a lot that had to do with culture and society and uh the the social uh political and economical climate, you know, and it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, so at the end of every episode, uh, we have a closing question, uh, whether it's insightful or uh, funny or just a reflective question. Um, and I want to say thank you so much to everyone who's made it this far into the episode. And thank you to everyone who's been watching uh, the episodes of ML Backstage. Uh, I had to form this episode on the fly uh, because I said earlier in the beginning that I had a completely different episode planned. And, uh, you know, but I still wanted to, you know, get uh, get content for you guys. So uh, here we are. So the question that I want to ask you guys is, what does a fulfilling life mean to you? I would probably say that David Bowie lived a fulfilling life and not many people will live the life that David Bowie has lived. And uh, he lived, he passed away at 69 due to cancer, but he's experienced so much even before, you know, before his final days. And uh, it left me wondering, you know what I'm saying? I would say for me, a fulfilling life for me is to end the generational curses in my family and, you know, to say and to hear the words, my good and faithful servant, well done. I would say that's the bare bones of what a fulfilling life looks for me. I mean, I would love to travel, 
I would love to, you know, find joy in the simple things. I would, you know, just find joy, period. You know what I'm saying? And the only source of that joy for me is in Jesus. Um, and, and doing music and being creative and, you know, prayerfully making a living creatively is the cherry on top for me. And uh, that's a pretty simple answer for me. But yeah, what is, what does a fulfilling life look for you? Uh, let me know in the comments below or in the show notes on Anchor and Spotify and Apple and on YouTube. So, uh, so yeah. Um, so what is next for Mars Luna? Uh, it's been a creative lull for Mars Luna over the last couple months. Um, just kind of living life and just, you know, uh, there are some things happening behind the scenes. Like I mentioned in the last episode, he is working on episode three of the Cosmic Chronicles uh, and he spent a lot of his energy and I've spent a lot of my, my time working on that as well. Um, you know, uh, Moon Age Daydream really kind of helped me understand like what the direction of Mars Luna is and watching and seeing David Bowie's, um, you know, documentary really uh, got my personal creative gears uh, grinding again. But next month, um, in a couple of weeks, actually, uh, unrelated to episode three of the Cosmic Chronicles, uh, since we're still in interlude season, technically, uh, Mars Luna is going to be releasing a double single called, hold on, I'm going to, I'm trying to lift up my shirt because it's actually on the shirt called Icarus. Yes. The same Icarus that, uh, that flew too close to the sun and his wax wings melted and he died. Uh, it's basically the B-sides to uh, episode two, Dark Matter, that came out November of last year. So this Icarus double single is meant to be, uh, I guess, a celebration of uh, or a commemoration of Dark Matter. Uh, these are songs that did not make that did not make it to dark matter um, but they would have fit on that project i produced those songs so uh be on the lookout for icarus when it comes out and uh and yeah uh once again thank you so much to everyone who's uh watched the ml backstage podcast or listened to it on spotify anchor apple or watched it on youtube um subscribe to subscribe to ML Backstage if you dig the episodes um, in on whatever platform you listen or watch on. And uh, stay tuned for uh, the next couple episodes because um, I got some interesting ones up my sleeve. And, uh, you know, be on the lookout for Mars Lunas Icarus coming out uh, November 2022. So you can follow me on Instagram at Luna B. Joshua. You can follow all the music, uh, Mars Luna on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and TikTok um, on it or at It's Mars Luna. Uh, sorry, I should get better at this. 
And uh, you can check out the website at itsmarsluna.com. Uh, you can follow Mars Luna on Spotify and Apple Music. And uh, actually, if you peep uh, Mars Luna's Bandcamp at marsluna.bandcamp.com, you can hear Icarus early. So you heard it here first on ML Backstage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, thank, you, uh, thank you again for uh, bearing with me throughout this episode. I had to really plan this out on the fly and uh you know stay tuned for icarus and next month's episode so hopefully uh, i can get polo and kainalu back and uh stay tuned later goodness gracious ethan that was a chaotic mess i'm gonna have to fire joshua soon <laughs> He talked about David Bowie today, and he had to switch up an episode in two hours from scratch, my boy. You're right. Bowie is my hero. I don't even care that Joshua leaked the name of my next release and wore my Icarus shirt. Hopefully the boys will be back in the next episode because I can't stand this solo energy. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the ML Backstage Podcast. If you liked what you heard, follow us on Spotify and Anchor, and subscribe to us on Apple and YouTube at ML Backstage. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Mars Luna. You can find all my music on Spotify and Apple Music, and on my website at itsmarsluna.com. Thank you all for listening and hanging out with us. Hope you're all enjoying this episode. Be on the lookout for the Icarus release and stay tuned for next month's episode. Bye!